0: Good morning. Anybody ever heard of the program called Couch to 5K? Uh, I know there are some in the congregation who have done this, but if you're not sure what it is, it's, it's uh, Couch to 5K. It's a program basically that's to help you get up off the couch and run a 5K. You go from not being able to run a 5K to being able to run, you know, just over that three miles. The way the program works is that it breaks up the training into smaller chunks where you alternate between running and walking and you do this over a period of about nine weeks or so you would work out three times a week and get a day's rest in between take the weekends off for the plan that i used in the past in in the way past because running's not my thing um but it, it would have me be start by running for a minute and then walking for 90 seconds and then alternating that six times so it would be what six minutes running and then whatever six times 90 is for walking um And the next day would be the same, but you'd do it eight times and then about the same for the third day. And then the next week it would change and you would increase your time. So you'd do 90 minutes of running and then two minutes of walking. And over time you would build up your endurance and eventually you'd be able to run a 5K. And for a lot of people, there's been a lot of people that have gone through this program. There have been a lot that this has helped and and. There's a great finish line at the end because you end up, you know, running a 5K, which is uh, being, for a lot of people it's the first time that they've ever done it. So that's a really big accomplishment, and it's all because they put together a plan, get attainable practices along the way, and but keeping the bigger picture in mind. So last week we started a brand new series. It's a little bit different from the way we normally preach here. Instead of going through a book of the Bible or doing you know, a topical biblical sermon, we wanted to take the summer and really get practical with the ways that we can live out our Christian lives well every day. And so what we're focusing on are spiritual habits, and these are daily practices, daily disciplines that uh, will help us to uh, deepen our relationship with God in many different areas of our faith. And each week, we want to give you something attainable to help you build those goals. Last week, we began with one of the foundational habits that we can have in Bible study. And today, we're going to focus on something that I think goes hand-in-hand with Bible study as being foundational to our Christian walk, and that's the habit of prayer. Prayer is one of those disciplines in the Christian life that we all know is incredibly important. But sometimes it seems like it's not one where... You know, we, it's one that we usually say that we need to improve a lot in a lot of times. So many times I've heard people say, I pray, but I, I don't pray as often as I should. And, and I'm right there with you. I'm one of those people that have said that. Has anybody here ever told somebody you'd pray for them and then maybe life happened and maybe you didn't pray for them? I'm there with you on that one too. Not something that I'm proud of, but it's something that's happened. Anybody ever feel like you're just, you end up kind of repeating the same prayer over and over because you're not really sure on what or how to pray effectively? I've been there too. Now, I say that just to show that, you know, we're on the same journey that you guys are. That's why we're doing this series. So we can look at these disciplines and we can try and put some practices and some habits into place that are going to help us in our walk and help us deepen our relationship with God. And so if we're ready, let's take a look at the habit of prayer. Now, before we look at some of the practical methods, we need to understand really what prayer is. And really simply put, it's just communicating with God. Dallas Willard puts it like this. He says, when we pray, we talk to God aloud or within our thoughts. There's another Christian teacher, a Norwegian named O. Hallisby, and here's what he said about prayer. He said, it is an attitude of our hearts toward God. It is an attitude of helplessness. This attitude of helplessness is not meant to drive you to anxiety, but rather to drive you to God. To engage in praying is to communicate with the creator of the universe in an intimate way. And it's to show, really, your dependence on him. Throughout history, we've had some amazing examples of believers who have been models of a vibrant and wonderful prayer life. One in particular was a man named George Mueller. Mueller started a lot of orphanages in England, and their focus was to take care of young men. The amazing thing was that he trusted, based on his prayer life, he trusted that God would provide basically everything that he needed, the funds, the supplies, the buildings, the food for the orphanages, and he would never have to fundraise. He would never have to ask for a dime from anyone. Mueller asked God to provide, and and while he did have to wait through some tough times, some lean times, God did provide, and he provided far beyond what Mueller and his wife thought were possible. One account that I read said that he gave up a a 35-pound-a-year salary, so this was a while ago. but He gave up a a 35-pound-a-year salary in England in order to not burden the church that he was pastoring, And really, to truly rely on the Lord to provide for him. And boy, did he, over the course of 50 years, God provided him over one million pounds, not just for him, but for the orphanages mostly. Martin Luther is another example of prayer being vitally important in life. Luther was the catalyst for the Protestant Reformation. Which was the challenge to the perceived errors, discrepancies, and abuses in the Catholic Church in 1517 was basically when it started. And we're a legacy of that Protest- as Protestant Christians today. In 1517, Luther wrote out what are called the 95 Theses. He nailed them to the door of the All Saints Church in Wittenberg, Germany. And at this time, the Catholic Church, it's the largest organization in the world, and it's very powerful. And so he faced a couple of things. He faced excommunication, basically the church saying that he's no longer part of the church. And, and he had an edict put against him that allowed anyone to kill him without penalty. Now, thankfully, that didn't work out, and he lived for about another 30 years after this. But to be able to stand against the Catholic Church and, and hold fast to his principles, that takes a lot of courage, and his secret to that was prayer. He wrote that our chief want, our chief labor is prayer. Let the people know that they are now exposed to the edge of the sword and to the rage of Satan and let them pray. We shall do more by our prayers than all our enemies by their boastings. Luther devoted much of his life to prayer. And he's also quoted as saying, you know, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours of the day in prayer. Now, these two men, these are just two of the amazing stories of prayer throughout history. And I don't bring up their stories to discourage you, but rather to point out what could be when we fully give in to prayer as a means of communicating with God in our lives as the primary means. Now, you might not be at the point where you're totally willing to live on the grace of God's mercy like George Mueller or to pray for three hours a day like uh, Martin Luther But those are wonderful goals to aspire to, goals that we should aim for while putting into practice smaller attainable habits that will help us build our endurance over time to the point where we are praying, but not even just for three hours, but really we're praying all day. Now, our main reason for praying is to communicate with God, but there are many different kinds of prayers. Now, I'm going to focus on four of these today, and the first is called Petitionary Prayer. Petitionary Prayer, it's a prayer where we're asking God for things for ourselves. Matthew 7, verses 7 through 8 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened." A petitionary prayer it can be one of the harder ways for people to pray really a lot of times we'd rather not bother god with you know our small and seemingly petty concerns and also i think that that we might think that god already knows everything that we need so why why do we need to pray for it but both of those fall a little bit short you know for those that don't want to bother god you got to remember it's a relationship a parent and child relationship, and the parent truly wants to hear your needs. P.T. Forsythe writes that love loves to be told what it knows already. It wants to be asked for what it longs to give. See, God knows you, he loves you, and he, he wants to hear from you. I mean, how many parents do we have in here who, you know, even if your kids aren't around as much anymore, but you still love to hear from them, you still love to talk to them, You know, you want to talk to them. You want to help them where you can. You want to hear what's good in their lives. You want to hear what's not going great in their lives. God's the same way. He wants to hear from you, and he delights in talking with you. And you can feel free to talk to him about anything. That does lead to an issue with petitionary prayer, as well as the other types that we'll talk about. What about when we pray, and it seems like there's no answer? C.S. Lewis once wrote that every war, every famine or plague, almost every deathbed, it's a monument to a petition that was not granted. And when you look at the promises like we see in Matthew 7, it can be hard to understand. And I don't think that we're necessarily going to understand it, this side of heaven. We have such a limited perspective that we can see. All right. We can see what our two eyes can see, but we don't see the full picture that God has. We don't have God's perspective. Richard Foster writes it like this. He says, many times in our short-sightedness, we ask for things that are not in our best interests. At other times, the answer to our prayers would be detrimental to others or mean the refusal of their prayers or both. Then there are times when our prayers are simply self-contradictory, a grant-me-patience-quickly kind of prayer. And finally, sometimes our prayers, if answered, would do us in. We simply are not yet prepared for what we've asked. In such cases, and many others like them, it is God's grace and mercy that prevent our prayers from being answered. God withholds his gifts from us for our good. And then C.S. Lewis, in the beautiful way that he puts it, he says, If God had granted me all the silly prayers I've made in my life, where would I be now? Saying this doesn't mean that we shouldn't pray. It doesn't mean that we should not pray with expectation either. But I think as we keep praying, as we see how God answers those prayers, then we start to become more attuned to God's will, and we'll end up praying better and in the will of God. The better that we get to know God, the better we will pray for the things in his will. There's one last thing that we need to speak on with petitionary prayer, and it's kind of a warning. It says, sin hinders prayer. Sinful lives will hinder your prayer life. Sin separates us from God. It hardens our heart. And as James 4, 3, 4 says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, you don't know that friendship with the world means enmity against God. Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. So just, it's just kind of a warning. Just be careful about sin and, and living in sin because it will hinder your prayer life. All right, so petitionary prayer, that's the first type of prayer. Second is intercessory prayer. If petitionary prayer is praying on behalf of ourselves, intercessory prayer is praying on behalf of others. Intercessory prayer it seems to be like the prayer that we probably best understand We're the one that we're most used to. Our prayer list here at church, it's made so that we can pray for others. Many who are going through difficult times in their lives. And why do we pray for people? Why do we do do this? It's out of love, right? It's because we love our neighbor as ourselves. If we uh, truly love people, as what Richard Foster writes in his book, Prayer, if we truly love people, we will desire for them far more than it is within our power to give them. And this will lead us into prayer. Intercession is a way of loving others. In the Old Testament, Moses was exemplary in intercessory prayer. When the Israelites were worshiping the golden calf while Moses was up on the mountaintop with God, God was ready to basically just be like, all right, I'm done. We're going to start over with you, Moses, and we'll wipe everybody else out. But Moses prayed on behalf of the Israelites for God to relent from his wrath against them and, and that's exactly what God did. Now, there were consequences. Some people died, but he didn't wipe the whole community out. And then there's this interesting scene from Exodus 17. The Israelites are battling the Amalekites. And during the battle, Moses was up on a hill which was overlooking the battleground. And he's up there, and he's, he's lifting his hands in prayer. And the whole time, while he's, while he's praying and lifting his hands over the Israelites, they were winning the battle. If he it apparently took a lot out of him too, because he kept lowering his hands, and they would start losing. And so he had people help him to keep his hands up and keep praying over them. And eventually, they defeated defeated the Amalekites. And he did this because he loved his nation. He loved the Israelites. And that's why we intercede for others. is because we love others. We learn this from Christ as well. Like, he's our best example of this because, you know, he loved the world so much that he, for the joy set before him, chose to die on the cross for us. And... It didn't just stop there. He's still interceding for us today. Romans eight thirty four says that who then is one is the one who condemns no one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So as we intercede for others, God is at the or Jesus is at the right hand of God, interceding for us. He did so when he was here. As well, we see this in, like, John 17. There's a great example there, what we call the high priestly prayer of Jesus. And that's a time where he was interceding for his followers, both the current and the future. And he still is doing that today. As he sits at the right hand of the Father, he prays on our behalf. Now, one last note about intercessory prayer and petitionary prayer, really, and all prayer, but is, is you should be persistent in your prayers. Be persistent as you learn to pray well, as you continue to grow in your relationship with God, as you as you learn his ways and his will. You know, we we ask for things, we ask him, and we don't do it just once, but we do it over and over again and again. Jesus told the story of an older woman who persistently went before a judge to ask for justice. The judge didn't really want to give it to her, but he did because he got tired of her constantly appearing before him. But Jesus talks, compares the judge to God and he says, God's not going to get tired of you, but he's going to give you justice. God will relent and give justice to those who cry out to him with persistence. So we have petitionary prayer, intercessory prayer. The third type of prayer I want to talk about is what we call, might call the prayer of the heart. There's a few different ways that some people might view these prayers of the heart. First, when you come to the realization of just how much your sin has affected your life and separated you from God, you get to that point where it's like the, you know, it's that last straw and and your heart just breaks and aches because it's not what it's supposed to be. And yet God still loves you and wants you to come home to him. It's those prayers when your heart is broken because of your sin, and you long to have it healed, and so you pray to God for that. You have a longing for that. That could be a prayer of the heart. Another one could be um, what we call lamentations in the Bible. As is, is you lament, you're expressing grief and sorrow to the Lord. But in grief and sorrow, you might be angry, you might be brokenhearted, you might long for things to change that aren't going to change. A lot of times we pray these when we feel like God is distant from us or just things, he feels distant or things are just going poorly. Psalms 10 begins by saying in verse 1, Why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Or Psalm 13 says, How long, Lord? How long, or will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say I've overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. A lot of times when we're praying these kinds of prayers, you know, or when we just praying in general like we feel like we've got to have everything in order like we we've got to have all the right words to say or we need to sound like we know what we're talking about sometimes when we're praying but to me the prayers of lamentation those are the prayers that we need to kind of see because they don't have the right words always they they don't go through the rote things that we we go through sometimes Really, people who are praying this are just expressing themselves to God in the most vulnerable, passionate, brokenhearted, raw, really the most normal kind of way. Talking to God, just letting everything out. And he's not afraid of that. I mean, there are some things in in the scripture where I've looked and I'm just like, I cannot believe you prayed that to God. (laughs) But it's there, which tells me that That we can do that too, but most of those prayers, though at the end, they will—they typically at the very last part will say something like, "But you, O Lord, you know they'll, they'll go through this whole list and litany of of hurt and pain, but but you, O Lord, you are my rock, you are my salvation, you are my savior. They always bring it home to trust God. They let Him know how they're feeling, but they still trust Him. Now, the last type of prayer that I want to mention is simply called what I'm calling continuous prayer. This comes from the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica. In 1 Thessalonians 5.17, Paul wrote, pray continually. It was among a list of things that he was telling the Thessalonians to do, but this is an important one. Pray continually, pray always He also wrote in Ephesians 6.18, he says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Recently, I've been reading a book by Southeast Christian Church's pastor, uh, Kyle Eidelman, it's called One at a Time. In this book, Kyle talks about an idea of praying with your eyes open. And he writes about having to learn how to pray with eyes open because that's not typically how we are taught to pray. But he says that if we're consistently to going to pray, then we need to learn how to pray with our eyes open. He writes, as I go through my day and see others one at a time and practice eyes open prayer, my heart starts to go out to people I've barely noticed otherwise. Praying with my eyes open helps me see what Jesus saw, feel what Jesus felt, and do what Jesus did. Praying with eyes open means that, that we see things we might, not, we might normally have missed. We pay a little bit closer attention to the world around us because we start to slow down. And we see individuals. We don't just see the group. And, and we wait and we kind of see if the Lord puts anything on our heart to pray for these people as we're looking around. Now, we, we're not just going to, like, stare at them and pray for them. That would be weird. But, you know, as the Lord puts it on your heart, just say a little prayer for them. Praying consistently, being you know, always being in communication with God, that's really the way our lives should be. I mean, if you think about it, in the Garden of Eden, God walked in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. They, they had a deep relationship that got broken through the fall. And it's been broken ever since but we can still look to that original relationship as to what it should be. We should be in constant communication with God and in and, and constant communion with him. And it kind of puts all the previous types of prayers, this, this praying continually, puts all of them together. Like you see people and you intercede on their behalf before the Father. You, you petition the Lord for your own needs. You speak to God out of the brokenness of your heart. You're in constant communication with him. Somebody that I was reading this week, and I completely forgot to write down who it was, so I can't tell you, but they put it like this. They said, think about it like you're having a phone conversation with God, and then somebody beeps in on the other line. And so you move over to that call, but all the while, you've got God waiting on the, the other line, and so you just want to get back to God. You know, you're constantly in communication with God, you're, you're in continuous prayer, and you might have interruptions along the way, But you know that God's waiting on that other line, and you just can't wait to get back to him. So basically, you communicate with God all day. So we've looked at what prayer is. we looked at what different types of prayer kind of look like. Let's get into some practical methods to help you pray. And I put together a few methods that I want to look at. These are here basically to help you if you need some structure to put around your prayer life. First, two are more about helping you with how to pray, and then the others are methods to help you organize and track your prayers. First is what is called the ACTS method. ACTS is an acronym, and it stands for Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, and Supplication. The goal is for you to have a more complete prayer rather than just like a wish list of things to pray to God. So for adoration, that's where you're you're just focusing on God and who he is. You give him all the praise and the glory. And then you move to confession, and there you're confessing your sins to God. And you want to be honest here. I mean, God already knows all of your sins, so you might as well be honest with him about them but confess those sins, get those out onto the table. And then there's Thanksgiving, and there you're just thanking God for all of his gifts. And then finally, a supplication. It's here where you move into the intercessory and the petitionary prayer. You're asking God for things that you want or need, and you're asking on behalf of others as well. Now that's one method, the axe method. Another method is called the five-finger prayer method. You might remember, but when Andrea was making videos uh, early on for the kids during uh COVID when when that whole thing started and we weren't able to meet, she made some videos and this was one of the very first ones that she made was based on this prayer method. And uh it's such a good method of prayer for kids, but I don't think it's just useful for kids. I think it will be useful for us, too. I really like simple things to latch on to. And the whole point is that each finger is meant to remind you to pray for a group. And so the thumb is to remind you to pray for your family and friends. The index or the pointer finger it's to pray for your teachers and coaches and doctors and people like that. The middle finger is for leaders, whether it be in your community, in your country, or your church. We really need prayer. <laughs> the, the ring finger is for those who are most in need, the least of us. And the, uh, the pinky finger is for you and for your needs. And it's just a simple way to kind of organize your prayers and to remind you. Now, the next method would be a prayer wall. In Jerusalem, there's a wall that was once part of the temple complex. It's called the Western Wall or more colloquially known as the Wailing Wall. Every day there are Jewish people there who visit the Western Wall and they pray. And they write their prayers down and they stick the paper into the wall. We kind of did this in youth group here. We used this wall and uh, wrote out our prayers and stuck them in the wall, left them there for a couple months. Nobody mentioned anything about them, which is good, because nobody needed to read any of those prayers. But it was a good reminder for us that did it, because we we prayed for those things. Um, but a prayer wall can be great, because it's very visual, right? And, and it's out, and you can see your prayers, you can use sticky notes, three-by-five cards, whatever, but you write out your prayers and, and stick them to a wall or a door. A friend of mine has one on the back of their door in their bedroom, and it's pretty amazing because it's just covered in sticky notes for prayers. Cover the whole door. And so you can do a prayer wall. You can even make it look fancy. Um, you can also do a journal. Journal's great to use when you're praying. You write down your prayers in the journal, put a date with it, but also then leave a space because you want to put where God answers the prayer. You want to be able to see those things. It's such an encouragement when you see God answer prayers. And it helps you as well. Helps you know that that what you're doing is making a difference. You can also do this on your phone if you're more tech inclined. Um, I know the YouVersion Bible app has a prayer list where you can also put answered prayers, and I think you could share that with people, but I'm not positive. I don't use that one. I use one uh, that I've used for years called Echo Prayer, and it's a very simple thing as well. You just add your prayer, but you can also put answered prayers into there, and it keeps track of when they were answered and everything, and uh, you can even set up groups in that, and When somebody prays for you, like if you put a prayer request in, it tags your name to it, and then somebody prays for you, you get a little notification that says, hey, Nick prayed for you today with this prayer request. And I've I've always found it to be a good good tool. That's all these are. They're just tools to help you. And they're not exhaustive. Like there are so many methods, I am sure, to help you pray. Find one that works. Find one that that will help you just pray communicate with God, and then start using it and get more comfortable praying. All right, so every week we're, we're trying to give you a habit homework to do. Something practical that you can do this week regarding the habit that we're talking about. And this week is prayer, so I bet you can guess what our habit homework is going to be. It is to pray. <laughs> um, now, if, this, if prayer is something that you do not feel particularly strong with, then I want to give you something that, that will be fairly simple to do. And that is to use one of these methods, whether it be the axe method, the five-finger prayer, a prayer wall, a journal, or an app. Use one of those methods. And then every day for five minutes a day, just really take some time and focus on prayer. Just for five minutes. Do that for this coming week. And then maybe next week, you bump it up a little bit, and you may do six minutes, you may do 10 minutes, but whatever you feel, but you're trying to build your endurance. Um, Now, we didn't talk about when to pray during the day, but if the first thing that you do is spend time in prayer with God, your day is going to start off right. So that's not a bad way to start it, is in prayer. And you might have to get up a little bit earlier to do that. Many times Jesus would get up early and he'd go off by himself to pray. But however you do it, start small. Just spend five minutes in prayer every day this week. Now, if you're strong with prayer already and and you're like, Nick, five minutes, (laughs) that's nothing. I'm like, great, that's awesome. Um, What I want you to do is I want you to work on praying with your eyes open. Slowing down a little bit as you're out and about, being mindful as you're going around doing your tasks this week, really paying attention to people one at a time, and then praying for them as as you feel God leads you. Prayer is it's so important because we have the absolute privilege of you know of conversing and talking with God. So many different ways we could go. We could probably take a whole year just on prayer. But hopefully, you know, we're just going to scratch the surface today. Hopefully, this little intro will really just help you embrace the spiritual habit that is prayer and help you grow your relationship with God to deeper levels. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for the amazing gift that you've given us in prayer. I thank you that, um, that like the scriptures say, we can boldly approach the throne of grace with confidence. And we are able to do that because of what Jesus has done on the cross. That tail, that, that the veil was torn in the temple, that, that separated us from you. But Jesus has bridged that gap, He tore the veil when he died and then was resurrected. And Father, we just, uh, we thank you for that. We thank you that we don't have to, we don't have to go through somebody else t- to communicate with you. We can just talk with you directly. And so Lord, I just pray that you will help us if, if if this is all somewhat new to us or if it's something that we just haven't really built well into a habit, I pray that you would help us to do that. I pray that you would Help us to find that time. But also for those who, have, who are strong in it, that, that you would help us to kind of slow down and pray with our eyes open and to see people who are in need and pray for them and, and help them where we can. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you that you've opened up this channel to us of communication, that, that we're able to talk to you So help us lean into that. We thank you for Jesus, all of the things he did for us on the cross. And we ask all of these things in his name. Amen.